Welcome to the Monday edition of the PFF Daily Betting Podcast. I am Kevin Cole, and I am joined by Ben Brown. Ben, we witnessed um, quite a—I mean, uh, quite a game. It, it propelled the team into first place in their division. That team being the the Philadelphia Eagles, who have proven uh, so far a quarter of the way into the season that they are the dominant team of the NFC East. What do you think? Yeah, yeah the NFC East champions at this point at 1-2-1, <laughs> two, and one, but I guess somebody has to uh, win the crown. I don't necessarily think uh, the Cowboys have done anything to run away with it, and the other two teams in the division are basically are um, much further down the totem pole, I would say, at this point. So I guess if you're asking me in our first question, are we buy-selling or holding the Eagles as NFC East champions? I think I'm definitely buying it at this point. So uh, this was definitely, it was kind of an interesting uh, game from the get-go, even the line movement. I think it opened up right at around minus three and a half, and it bumped all the way out to minus nine by uh, game time. So I don't know. I was kind of expecting that news to trigger based on Jimmy Garoppolo actually playing. But since he wasn't even, you know, he wasn't able to play or anything like that. It was kind of interesting why that line moves so significantly. But a lot of people were low on the Eagles, and they kind of responded here on Sunday Night Football. So they're definitely my team out in the NFC East. I'm wondering, there were some other teams, I think, that had pretty good performances this week. Who do you think is actually going to win the NFC South then? Yeah, um, not... Well, okay, okay, let me say here. So Breeze and Brady both look like they're not quite ready to be put out to pasture at this point. Uh, it's interesting because the Saints have the tiebreaker. The Bucks have a better, better record, record right now. So you're kind of weighing those two things against each other. I guess when they face each other eventually, it'll be in it'll be in Tampa Bay for whatever that that matters. Um, so I mean, I'm going to lean Bucks. I mean, I, I I've kind of been leaning towards the Saints just going upon the prior of what they had done, but I still don't think that defense is is really looked very dominant or very good. I mean, they, they shut down the Lions, but the Lions did run up and down the field on them the first couple of drives. Um, they've been giving up a ton of penalties, which I guess in a way is probably something that's a little bit fluky. So maybe that won't continue. So I guess I would lean a little bit towards towards the Bucks, but I don't think I'm necessarily uh, impressed with either team at this point. Yeah, especially on the defense side of the ball. I thought the Bucks would actually be a little bit better. I was kind of a Carlton Davis fan in the offseason. I mean, I think he's played pretty well, but just in general, I think they made Justin Herbert look uh, pretty good here, I guess, uh, in week four. So I don't know. I'm definitely not necessarily fully ready to crown the Bucks now. But another kind of interesting trend that I thought we saw um, today was uh, teams finally embracing going for two down 14. Now, I know you're kind of a big proponent of this. Of course, there's a chart out there, lots of, you know, not only game theory, I guess, but win probability increases when going for two. Do you think this is kind of the start of teams actually embracing this, or was this kind of a outlier performance for people embracing analytics at this point in the season? No, I, I think it is going to be not universally embraced as we we didn't see every team do it. But I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about like the theory behind it when you when you dig into it. I mean, I don't want to get into into too many of the details, but it really is almost uh, as solid as it gets as far as enhancing your your win probability there. So the fact that basically no team had done it at least in a very long time at least a decade I think before you had the Eagles doing it in 2008 
18, I want to say. Um, and then the the Giants had done it. So shockingly, they were they were one of the first teams to do it. And then the Ravens did it, and then it got a lot more hype when, when the Ravens had done it last season. And now we're seeing more and more teams do it. And like you said, a couple of different teams doing it today. None of, we still haven't got a chance for a team to win off of it, which would be really right. <laughs> which would be really helpful. We still haven't seen that seen that yet. But yeah, I mean, I think it's just it's just too obvious. And really, if you have someone who knows the theory, if you sit down for you know a few minutes and explain it, I think it's just so it, it becomes so intuitive at that point and so obvious that I don't see a reason why a coach would be against it. Right. Yeah. I mean, basically, we saw Jacksonville and Detroit both do it. I think Detroit was successful on the two point conversion, but never got the ball back. But then, yeah, the Raiders basically didn't do it at this point. So it does make sense. I do think there is kind of at least an understanding of shift in philosophy as far as like getting to overtime isn't guaranteeing you a win. It's still kind of a coin flip at that point. So just embracing that fact is definitely key. So, yeah. We'll now, see. how about of uh, the teams that we that may not ever embrace it? Do you have any who, who would be your choice for? the the most caveman philosophy here and never coming around on this yeah i mean obviously i think maybe the raiders are an easy target just because you know they didn't do it today but i would say i think john gruden kind of likes to play dumb more so than what he actually is um i was gonna actually probably say the giants but then when you mentioned that they kind of embraced that philosophy in 2018 i might need to rethink of that not the joe judge giants though the joe judge giants are like you're running laps if you did that basically the gentleman giants i don't see them i probably would say that they're going to be the least uh receptive to the analytics revolution we come for so they might need another Saquon Barkley you know at the second overall pick here coming up next year I guess so who knows I would say the Giants at this point who 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 would you be on yeah I mean I, I like the Raiders obviously they didn't do it today so that's one factor and you know Gruden Gruden is Gruden and he's got a 10-year you know 100 million dollar contract so you know he who's gonna tell him what what to do I guess nobody right. unless you're gonna give him a big big check to tell him to leave someday so he, he's in good shape I think so maybe maybe he'll be the last one to go um, right. all right what, why don't we dig into Monday night because we have a double header uh, overlapping games in fact and first let's start with what will end up what ends up being the early game here and that is the Chiefs and the Patriots obviously the Cam Newton news uh, he's not going to play Brian Hoyer is starting uh, Jared Stidham fans uh, he, even though he was the obvious <laughs> the obvious starter according to some people he doesn't seem like he can even come in in, in, in a backup role so it's kind of interesting here Ben you've been looking at what's going on as far as the line there uh, trends and movements what are you thinking about this game and what you're seeing yeah, I mean, it was definitely an interesting game when Cam Newton was still playing. I think the Chiefs were basically uh, minus seven at that point. I did actually expect it to get past minus seven out to seven and a half. I saw it kind of there early in the week, but then it came back down. So Cam Newton news is obviously significant. I have seen some books reopen it up towards 11.5. Um, I think that's kind of been bought down a little bit even to 10.5, but that's pretty significant crossing over the seven, getting all the way up to 10. Obviously, Brian Hoyer is just not even in the same class for what Cam Newton's going to provide for them. So, I don't know. I'm still seeing books kind of hesitant to at least release some of the numbers. I know the places that I'm looking at um, don't really have that in place at this point. So, we'll see. I think I think the Chiefs are definitely going to be playable out here to a two-touchdown spread, though I do think this game kind of resembles uh, basically the Ravens-Washington game that we saw earlier the day where Ravens kind of moved out to that two-touchdown spread. Washington came back, did end up, um, you know, covering the closing line, but didn't necessarily cover the early game line. So that's kind of where I see this game probably ending up here. I think the total is kind of all over the map at well. I think um, it was initially at 52.5. It moved down to 50 and a half. Um, 
I would say I would probably lean under at that point as well, but there has been um, an assortment of scoring here coming through the first four weeks of the NFL season, so it is tough to kind of back those unders. But um, the Falcons-Packers, I think, also has some interesting spot. I think everyone, everything has kind of been pushing heavily towards the Packers. They opened up as five-point favorites, moved all the way out to minus seven. I think there's like a majority of the cash and tickets have been on the Packers, but the higher percentage has been on um, the ticket side of things. So I do think the Packers are definitely on the public side. Um, it is tough to back the Falcons at this point. I know our predictive models don't really seem to be able to quit them, unfortunately, but it's just, you know, something that's in our blood at this point, but we can't really get, um, you know, too hyped up. They're not necessarily a spot that I'm really wanting to buy into, but uh, it's an option, at least if you want to play with the Falcons on plus seven on Monday night football. So we'll see. The total is one of the few numbers that has moved down throughout the week. It opened at the highest total for week four, but has dropped a full point despite all the ticket and percentage cash basically being on that over. So it does seem like something is pushing this market down, whether that's big money betters or something else entirely. I'm not quite sure of, but I do kind of lean towards the under at this current price as well. I do think there's something um, to be said about the fact that this game just might not play as fast as we think it's going to be at this point. So I kind of like the under. I kind of like both yardage prop unders bets as well. So I don't know. One thing that we have, I have been looking at quite a bit recently is the site prize picks where you're kind of able to do um, some various fantasy comparisons and things like that to be able to do, you know, over undersized bets on fantasy performance. Have you taken a look at that website at all? I'm wondering if you're seeing anything that's popping up here for this Monday slate of action for prize picks. Yeah, yeah. We I took a look at Prize Picks, and you know, Prize Picks they also have a deal here with PFF. You use code PFF, you get a hundred percent match on your first deposit up to a hundred dollars. And the, the the interesting thing here with this game is it's a kind of a, it's like a simplified version where you can go in and you can not only you know a lot of places we we're talking about doing doing prop bets on yardage or touchdowns or receptions or whatnot. This you 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 can use fantasy points instead. Uh, you can choose, you know, two, three, or four players. You can decide whether you want to go over or under on them or combine them in different fashions. So I look through here, and a couple of players that I thought were really interesting. Um, first player that I saw on here is Rex Burkhead, where he – this looks like his PPR scoring on here. He looks like he has 11 yep. and a half, uh, points. And, you know, James White is not here on the site. James White – I believe is going to be active. At least he's back with the team. He will probably be right. active. And I know that Rex Burkhead has been productive in his absence. Uh, if he is back, I don't see any chance of Rex Burkhead hitting this number. Of course he could with a touchdown, which, you know, or, or two, which could get anyone, you know, that alone would get him over the number, but I think it'd be pretty difficult. So I think Burkhead going under was one, was one play that I saw here at 11 and a half. Cause I don't think, know if they're fully, uh, calculating in the James White factor. And then uh, scrolling through here a bit more, I mean, a lot of these are going to depend on whether or not you're going to get a touchdown. And I also think, you know, I'm leaning under on a lot of these as I probably would for 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 props. And I also see Sammy Watkins on here at 11 and a half points. You know, he's gotten over that total once. He's gone under that total twice so far this season. He'll need a touchdown. Uh, McCall Harmon was a little bit more involved last week than, than he had been, whether they'll step back on that or not. So I think that's also an interesting one. If I were going to pair a couple of them together and just kind of bet on a total uh, suppression of some of the scoring there where you know the Chiefs aren't going to need 
to put their put their foot on the pedal and um, they have they, they haven't done that in the past. They normally have gotten a lot of scoring early and then kind of step back in the past. So maybe that'll be the case this game. So I'm gonna I'm gonna assume an, an under on that one too. Is there anything that jumped out to you? Yeah, I mean, I definitely like what you said about Rex Burka. That was my favorite play going under that. I know I think Sonny Michelle is questionable as well. James White as well. Both of those guys are back. I think Rex Burka might be one of the easiest underplays. Um, on prize picks here coming up this week, and I also kind of like you know not picking on running backs too much but i also like todd Gurley under 13.8 fantasy points of course you said it but he is very dependent on his touchdowns in order to actually get over this number the fact that the reason that i like prize picks is because not only are you looking for upside like you would be in dfs or showdown but you can also kind of benefit from these situations where you're much lower on a person or something than the market actually is so i think that's a decent spot for a lot of uh listeners to check out if they want to get on prize picks so definitely use that promo code but uh, moving on do you have any uh specific plays or things you're looking up for for these uh showdown slates that we have coming up now on monday night yeah it's interesting because you know they just moved the showdown slate that would have been happening on on sunday for the for the chiefs patriot game to monday night so that's going to be the smaller the smaller of the two slates right. i mean the biggest contest for that one oh actually it looks like it's up to they have a two hundred thousand dollar contest so that's that's pretty decent and then uh there's a 500k for for the uh, Falcons Packers game, so I mean I really dug mostly into the Falcons Packers game because that's the traditional Monday night matchup, and you know th- there's some value there. I mean according to the numbers, I'm having a lot of ownership flowing into Packers players. I know that they are the favorite, but it looks like it's probably going to be a little bit too much, or at least not leave enough left over for some of the Falcons players, in particular Matt Ryan, who it's kind of an interesting situation because. You know, guys like Calvin Ridley are going to get a lot of ownership. Potentially Julio Jones, depending upon how how healthy they say he is on that type of game. And like I said, Adams, Rogers, uh, Aaron Jones are all going to be taking a lot of ownership. So I think Matt Ryan is is kind of a sneaky play for a guy who could accumulate a ton of of yardage and touchdowns. While if the Packers struggle a little bit on offense, which they you know they have done from from time to time, not recently. Um, I, I don't think anyone is predicting that's a possibility against this Falcons defense. But sometimes you have to look for these outlier type of outcomes in order to get a, a winning lineup in order to win a tournament where you have a very substantial field to to play against. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I mean, there is some injury situations on both the Falcons and the Packers, which are going to obviously affect ownership at that wide receiver position. So I'm wondering about a guy like maybe like Robert Tunyon. I know he's kind of a popular play, at least from a fantasy perspective. A lot of people seem to like him. I'm wondering what you kind of project as far as he, his ownership and things like that. Would he be a viable play with, you know, Alan Lazard essentially out? Are you looking more towards Marcus Valdez scantling at this point? Yeah, I'm looking more at, at MVS, but not with a lot of confidence quite honestly because right. he's you know he's he I, I luckily if Lazard is out maybe he won't find his way back into the doghouse no matter how many how many passes he drops but there I mean there is a chance here I think with the thing with Tanyan is I loved him uh the last time they were on the showdown slate because he was priced very low he was priced in the bottom third now he's he's way up there um I mean he's not way up there but he's at this you know just a little bit less than someone like Hayden Hurst he's above all of the the kick 
kickers and the defense and all those sort of players. So he's right at the bottom tier of the of the top fantasy players um, or the top starting players, whereas before he was being priced as if he was a second or third string tight end. So that's not happening anymore. So I think that the, the Jews might have been all squeezed out for, for Tanyan. But for MVS, we still don't know how, you know, how functional Adams is going to be in this game, right? So if he can't go, if he gets re-injured, there's no Alan Lazard. Someone has to get the ball here. So I think I think MVS is interesting. I also think Tyler Irving uh, Irvin is interesting. Now this is kind of this is a little bit of a deeper play here, and again, it's dependent upon these other things. But he's someone who's functioned as a running back and as a wide receiver. They've used him not only in your jet sweep type of game, but they've also had him going out and running some routes. So he could be you know he could be a guy that they ended up they end up scheming up a lot to get the ball to uh, that no one is really looking at. And he's not a bargain basement price, but he's pretty close when you look at uh, his price on here. I mean, as a as a flex option, it's only eight hundred bucks is less than a thousand so he's right there near the end so he's another guy that i think is is interesting depending upon how this game plays out because they just need guys to catch the ball for the packers right yeah i mean there's pretty thin as far as pass catchers on the packers i gotta ask one more question then this was a guy i kind of like coming out of texas a&m jay sternberger do you think he is at all viable um you know kind of as a pivot off of robert tunyon or is he kind of probably just not even getting any sort of opportunities to make it worthwhile at this point yeah, no, I I think that he is. I mean, he's he's still not he's still not running as many routes as as Tanyan is, but now like you mentioned with the with the pricing is considered they've done a, they've flipped now. So so if you look at Tanyan now, like for instance, if you were going to captain, I don't know if you'd captain either one of these guys, but if you were going to captain the, just to get a d- price differential here. Yeah, Tanyan is uh, 6900 there. Uh very nice 6900 and Sternberger is down at 2100. So that's a that's a tremendous drop for a guy who was pretty involved the last time we saw them play. So yes, I would say that he would be the guy that I would pivot off to uh get some salary savings especially as a, as a flex option rather than going for Tanyan, who seems to be a pretty popular guy nowadays. That's what I like to hear. I like to hear it. So, yeah, we got a great, great Monday doubleheader again coming up here. So, uh, yeah, this was Ben Brown. I'm Kevin Cole. We talked a little buy, sell, hold. We talked both uh, Monday night football games from a betting perspective, from a showdown perspective. We got a few prize picks in as well. So, uh, hope you guys enjoy this Monday night slate of action. We'll be back again here tomorrow, talk some more college football and uh, some look ahead lines for week five coming up already. This is Ben Brown. Thanks. Thanks.